This is the OTP presented by Farm Bureau Health Plans. Get the home field advantage with health care coverage from Farm Bureau Health Plans. They've been protecting Tennesseans since 1947. The January 8th, 2021 edition of the OTP. Amy Wells, Mike Keith, we call this Miracle Day. Did you know that? I did. I thought you were going to elaborate on that, but heck yes, it's Miracle Day. And the Music City Miracle is legal. The Music City Miracle is 21 years old today. Can you believe it, Mike Keith? Sure. Does it feel like it's been 21 years since that happened? I feel like a lot of things have happened, even just within the Titans organization in the last 21 years. Yeah, I mean, it feels that way. Last year, obviously, was 20, and that one was a was a real surprise because you're like, wow, two decades. And so um, it seemed like it took longer than a year to get from 20 to 21 based on how long last year was. But a lot of good memories uh, that come out today from people. And we did some radio earlier today, and people were asking specific questions about the miracle and where were you? I mean, they don't ask me, where were you? Because Everyone knows where you were. They kind of know where I was. But at the same time, still great to hear the stories and, and fun to discuss it. And it's because, to me, today, it's great to discuss. That was the first playoff game at Nissan Stadium. And Sunday is the next playoff game at Nissan Stadium. And when you're at this point in the year, uh, it's pretty fantastic. It's definitely more fun to reflect on playoff victories when you are in the playoffs again. Um, That makes it a lot more exciting. It's so much fun to scroll through Twitter and Facebook and things on this day and see people posting pictures and different memories and things. But uh, definitely sweeter when the Titans are getting ready for another playoff game at Nissan Stadium against the Ravens, which is such a fun rivalry. This is a good time just all the way around. It's bizarre that this will be the fifth time that these two teams have met in the postseason and that the home team has never won. Yeah, I don't like that stat. I know. Two road victories for the Ravens, two road victories for the Titans. It's hard to believe in real-life circumstances. You know, when home field advantage is such a real thing, especially in the playoffs. This year, like the 2020 season, when people were giving the stats about home teams versus away teams, and um, that was kind of a 50-50 shot. I mean, One it didn't ball. really matter. Yeah, it didn't really matter too much. So if you had told me that just for this past season, I'd say, well, yeah, that makes sense. But the fact that that is the the situation through the entirety of these matchups, that's crazy to me. Because we know that both stadiums are rocking and rolling just on a good day. In the playoffs, it's a whole different level. So that's interesting. Hopefully we can snap the streak this week. M&T Bank Stadium, obviously one of the tougher places to play in the league. And when we got in there on January the 11th, and it just started going crazy. I mean, that place was just shaking. And the Titans get off to the early lead. And, you know, it ended up being um, very much a a game where the Titans took the crowd out of it. 
the game in 2004, January of 2004, after the 2003 season, it was a game where the crowd was in it right up until the very end. And Gary Anderson kicked the field goal with, I think, 35 seconds left. There was time left. And he kicked the field goal. And it sort of got quiet for just a moment. And then they were trying to rally the Ravens in those final seconds, and it didn't work. Last year was different because – you know, Tennessee had taken the air out of the place by the time we got to the final moments of the ball game. But golly, I mean, uh, the series between these two, 13 to 12, the Titans lead it. It's as close as it sounds. It has been that close. And everybody from the outside in discussing this game feels like it is going to be sort of rock'em, sock'em again. Uh, there are some games that are sort of picked to be blowouts this weekend. Uh, this certainly isn't one of those. No, and the thing that makes this whole series so great is that these teams always seem to match up really, really well. They're two similar teams, and the same is true this year. These teams have a lot of similarities. They match up so well, and they're both tough, physical teams. I mean, this is going to be a blow-for-blow blow game, and – I mean, that's good football. That's what you want to see in January. Tough ticket, I understand, as well. Oh, is it really? Yeah, that's what I'm hearing from people, is that people desperately want to be at this game and uh, that everybody's excited about it. I know this has put a charge into people uh, renewing their season tickets for 2021. It's put a charge into new people coming in and saying, I want to be a season ticket member in 2021. And People have seen the schedule for next year, which is the home schedule is amazing. The road schedule is tough as well. So, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of good things happening with Titans football heading into 2021. Oh, absolutely. The one downside, and it's not even a downside, it's just a little hmm, about hosting. That? It's just a little hmm, you know, mm. you kind of go hmm. Things but it's that not. make you go hmm. Hmm, okay. <laughs> anyway. Fine. The one thing that I wish were a little bit different is that obviously there are the restrictions that we have this season and you wish that we could have a full stadium. You wish that this were a time that you could really get all the fans just packed in there wall to wall. Obviously that's not going to happen this season. And we're so fortunate to be one of the teams that are allowing really excited for Titans nation and for everyone that's going to be able to be there but golly, there's a little part of my stomach that just goes, hmm, I wish that we could have everybody packed in just wild and crazy. But so many ways that Titans fans can see this game beyond being at Nissan Stadium, watching it at home and being safe and staying healthy and all the things that we want people to do. Sure. But uh, you just, there's a little part of me that goes, oh man. Because we would be at some pep rally or some function tonight mm -hmm. way somewhere uh you know that that would be, would be at yeehaw brewery doing something or you know acme or somewhere that would be the normal of what this would be and then on sunday morning uh, there would be brunch everywhere and people tailgating and you know just right. like us in baltimore you know we went to the titans events on Friday and Saturday before the game and then 
you know, walked back over to catch the bus to the stadium. And I mean, it was just crazy. I mean, it was a right. great atmosphere. I see. I, I, I love Baltimore's atmosphere. I love mm-hmm. it. It's, it is the real thing. They are the real thing. Right. And, but you know that the city of Nashville would have exploded. Oh yeah. I mean, this would have been crazy. And again, we prefer that everybody stay home and stay safe. And I mean, do what you need to do to get through these next couple months. But I mean, golly, it could have been, it could have been great, Mike. Here's how you can tell it's a playoff game. The two teams, the Ravens and the Titans, nobody declared out on the final injury report. Nobody. Love it. Love it. So what you have is you have Aaron Brewer, who is on the COVID reserve list. So he's obviously not going to play, and I guess technically is declared out, but he is not out on the injury report due to injury. Uh, Kevin Byard was a full participation on Friday. Dennis Kelly, a limited participation with a knee. Roger Saffold was on the practice field for limited participation dealing with an ankle. Darren Bates with a hip, full participation. A.J. Brown did not practice yesterday or today, but said on a post-practice news conference, he's planning on playing. Uh, Darrington Evans with a shoulder full participation. Adoree Jackson, after not practicing yesterday with a knee, practiced today. He was full. Ben Jones still dealing with a hamstring. He was a limited participant. Uh, Jeff Swain, a full participant with a wrist. Hamstring injury for Derek Roberson, a full participant. Steven Goskowski kicked again today after coming off the COVID list. And Derek Henry, who was only a limited participant on Thursday due to how he is handled, uh, was a full participant today. And what I mean by that, and I've discussed this some in recent weeks on a variety of shows, they sort of ease him back. They, they take Derrick Henry and they pull him back a little bit, get him off his feet, uh, do some different things with him conditioning-wise. He takes very good care of his body, and the Titans take very good care of him to have him ready to play. And so he was back out there today and looked great. Again, the Titans going to have players who are inactive for this game, but they did not rule anybody out on the Friday list, which, I mean, I don't know that they're very healthy overall. They have a lot of people banged up, but nobody out per se. Which is good. I mean, you want to at least have the option of picking and choosing from a bunch of different people. Of course, everybody's banged up right now. I'm sure the Ravens are more banged up than they are leading anyone to believe. Um, you made a good point about how the Titans have handled Derrick Henry. And I think that that is uh, a testament, not only to Derrick who takes such great care of himself, but also to the training staff and the team doctors and all of the people who are kind of monitoring him because you know that he handles such a big load on Sundays. Derrick Henry does not need a bunch of practice reps. He doesn't need to work through a bunch of things. He needs mental reps. He needs to be in the classroom. He needs to be watching tape. But physically going full speed in practice, that's not what his body requires. So the fact that everybody is so aware of that, and they do that with everybody on the team. It's not just Derrick Henry, but it's so impressive by the Titans staff to – 
have found that balance, it seems, and really finding what works best for him as an individual player. Well, and I, I would assume that's one of the reasons he chose to re-sign here because the head coach and the general manager believe in taking care of guys that way. I mean, a guy has any sort of head injury, Vrabel's not putting him out there. You know, he's a former player. He believes in all the concussion protocol things. I mean, he is very, very sensitive about that. Along the same lines, he doesn't do the old coach thing. And we saw this quite a bit when, when I first got in the league back in the 1990s. If you, you don't practice, you don't play. There were a lot of coaches who said, if you don't practice, you don't play. Frabel's like, look, if you've earned your stripes and you, you've shown us what you can do, we're going to help you get to Sunday. Now, we would like for people to practice. You know, that, that's important, no doubt about it. We're, we're, not, we're not saying don't practice, but they're not going to hold A.J. because he didn't practice yesterday or today. They're going to take Derek and Todd Torricelli, who heads the training staff, and the doctors and everybody working with Mike are going to come up with a plan. And they're going to go to Mike and say, okay, here's what we think he should do. Here's how we pace him. We're not going to put him back out there. We're going to get him off his feet. We're going to do bike work. We're going to do the stuff where you run in the treadmill, the aqua treadmill. That's not what they call it, but it, it takes stress off your legs so you can condition without without being on your feet and having the banging and the pounding, especially with the ground as hard as it is right now overall because it's gotten cold. That's smart. That, right. That's 2021. That's not 1921. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's a former player is what that is. I mean, Mike Vrabel knows from experience that you prepare in different ways as your career evolves. Derrick Henry is to the point now where he doesn't need to do certain things as much and he needs to do other things a little bit more. Some of the rest and recovery stuff, perhaps. There are some other guys who need to do more of the reps and the conditioning and the training and some of the more physical things and they don't need as much of the rest and recovery. It's still some, of course, but they don't need all of it because they're younger. Well, and who got the reps on Thursday? Darrington Evans, who right. missed a bunch of time with a hamstring injury. So he got a bunch of the reps. Nick Westbrook-Akina has gotten tons of reps this year with Corey Davis down at different points. But obviously, A.J. Brown has not been able to practice much all year. He's been right. fighting injury since the Denver game. Got hurt on the first play at Houston, and thank goodness he was able to come back. Um, you know, he's not 100%, but we don't pay him to practice. We pay him to play. That's what I was just about to say. Your practice touchdowns don't count as much as game touchdowns. Right, right. I mean, because to the people listening to the OTP, better known as the OT people, they want to win games. They don't want to win practice. I hate right. to say like Allen Iverson, but <laughs> we're talking about practice. The Ravens are very healthy. Yeah. Well, I mean, nobody is extremely healthy. It's January. Uh, so they're very yeah. healthy. Whatever. I mean, they've won their last five games 
big margins, rushed for 267 yards a game, scored 37 points, 61% third down conversions. Their defense has been playing great. I mean, all of the things people have asked me, why are the Ravens favored? And it's all of the on paper things favor the Ravens. Right. They're healthier. They've been playing well. They're back to form as they were a year ago. Um, you know, the, the Titans have some defensive questions that, you know, I guess you can make the point that the Titans' best defensive performance of the season probably was at Baltimore, where they limited them to just 129 yards rushing. And in four red zone trips, the Ravens just scored one touchdown. Now, the third down conversions were not great, but the Titans did a whale of a job giving up 306 total yards in that game. I think that's what it's going to take again come Sunday. Yeah, and you start to get into the on-paper stuff and things get – you can get bogged down with all that, in my opinion. I think that all of those things are real and the numbers don't lie. But I, I, I try to not lose sight of – some of the other things, the intangibles, Mike Keith, the things that you just can't quantify, like the fact that our friend Lamar Jackson has not won a playoff game. I think the weight of the world will be on his shoulders this Sunday at noon. Well, and the Titans are seven and two in one score games. I like that too. That is also a good stat. If Tennessee can get this game into the fourth quarter with it, even or slightly ahead or slightly behind, obviously way ahead would be better. But if, if it's a close game, uh, it's advantage Titans because they have been the team among these two that has won close games. And that that's what it comes down to. The thing that the playoffs magnify is they magnify the one big mistake they magnify the turnover, the bad penalty, the missed kick, the block kick, the dropped pass. Anything like that is so magnified in a playoff game. There is so much pressure on everybody. And the Titans have played a lot of games where pressure has been part of it. And so you would figure that they can handle pressure. You would think. Right. These are the things you cannot quantify and yet are very important. Yes. You know what else is very important? What, Mike Keith? Dunkin' Donuts. Agreed. Hey, Titans fans. Hey, Titans fans. Get a kickoff with Dunkin'. DD Perks members can score four times the points on any beverage purchase every Titans game day. I mean, Sunday. When you order on the Duncan app, download the Duncan app today and order for in-store carryout or drive-through pickup for a quick contactless experience. Just use your phone to order and pay. Make Duncan part of your game day ritual and score four times the points to keep you running all season long. Titans fans run on Duncan. Participation may vary. Limited time offer. Exclusions apply. I will have my Duncan on Sunday morning. Oh, me too. I've started the Dunkin' before the game ritual, and I don't regret it. Yes. Mm -hmm. It is a good thing. Well, we had Dunkin' before the game in Baltimore, so you have to hang with that. Right. It works. 
whatever, whatever gets the job done. Do you have rituals that you follow on game day? Oh, Mike Keith, I am a nutcase. I am the most superstitious human being you've ever met. I listen to certain songs. I go certain directions when I'm driving to the stadium. I'm, oh yeah, I am crazy cakes, but it, 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 it makes me feel better. <laughs> I don't know. You park in the same spot and all that stuff. Yeah. Oh yeah. The whole thing. What about you? Are you superstitious? Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, really? you know, I have the, the socks. So then I switch up socks when they don't work. I have new socks given to me by our friend Rick who as a Christmas present gave me, do you ever read thoughts of dog on Twitter? Yes. So thoughts of dog, he has the stuffed friend as he says, Sebastian. So I have Sebastian socks. <laughs> I will be wearing, and I will have on my crystal Gale t-shirt. Now the crystal Gale t-shirt works. Mm -hmm. It really, really does. I can't explain it. I know. It, the Crystal Gale t-shirt will be part of the wardrobe, uh, probably under a lot of layers because it is supposed to be chilly. Chilly and breezy. Chilly and breezy on Sunday. Are you looking forward to the moat? Uh, I'm looking forward to my home moat. You know, you never know what you're going to get when you go on the road. Um, so I like that at Nissan Stadium, I know what I'm getting. I know my spots. Um, I feel so bad, though, for the people who sit in the sections that are behind me in the moat, because I'm a pacer. And I realize that about myself, but I can't stop. So when I get nervous or really excited, I'm on the move and I'm just back and forth through the moat. And I know it's got to be distracting. And I apologize to all people who sit behind the Titans bench in those sections. I'm so sorry. I can't help it. But you have loved the moat from the state being able to see. I, I think you've had more information this year for the Titans radio listener based on what you could see from the moat. Do you disagree with that? No, I absolutely agree with that. I have such a better vantage point, and there's so many places that I can go. Like if I need to see over something, I can go up a couple steps, and then I can kind of see up and over. If I need to get to an area, I can walk around. And Nissan Stadium's great because that whole bowl is connected, so I can get a lot of different places. Um, but it's been – I've really enjoyed it. I like that I – I'm able to see more, but I feel like I'm a little less underfoot. You know, it's kind of, you're trying to stay out of people's way when you're on the sidelines, but you also want to be close enough to see and get the information that you need. This way, I'm kind of, I, I don't feel like I'm in the way, but I'm still able to see what I need to see. And the Titans PR staff, Jared Puffer, has been great about sending me the information that I need and getting in touch with me. Um, it, I really, I have very few complaints when it comes to the moat. My biggest thing is if a place doesn't have cup holders, I'm a little thrown, but I've learned to adjust and we figure it out. Where do you go at halftime? Well, I usually just stay in the moat and look around and watch whatever they're doing at halftime and do some of the notes and things that I need to do. The only time I've ever left the moat was in Green Bay and I was so cold. Mike Keith, it was very chilly in Green Bay and there was snow everywhere and I just, I couldn't get a good setup. So as soon as <laughs> that clock hit zeros, I went up to the concourse and hid from the wind 
and tried to dry my boots off a little bit before round two. Um, but other than that, no, I just kind of set up a little spot in the moat and work on my notes and get myself ready for the second half. Among national people, have you made moat friends? I have made some moat friends, you know, I've, uh, we're, it's very intimate in the moat. Like there's not, this is not a two lane street. So you've kind of got to figure out how you're going to do the dance when everybody needs to be watching different things. Um, because not everyone who is on the Titan side of the moat is watching the Titans exclusively like I am. So there's a lot of moving and grooving. And um, so you kind of have to establish the choreography of how you're going to get past or other people are going to get past early. So I've been able to make a lot of friends and um, have a lot of moat, moat conversations. Um, Evan Washburn from of CBS, he's done a couple Titans games and I've known him for a long time. And so we, we've been able to establish the moat dance and which way he goes and which way I go. And okay, I'm going to step over you. You step over me. <laughs> like, you have moat moments. We have moat moments. It's very nice. Um, but I, you know, of all the things that have been weird in 2020, I will miss the moat when it's gone. I really will. You will? Yeah. Yeah. I'm a, I am a moat supporter. If I could campaign for moats forever. I mean, I know people want to sit in their seats again, but I love my moat, man. I think it's great. One of the things about this week that we will not have is we will not have Sam Sloman back. We don't think something could change between now and, and game time, but we don't think we're going to have Sam Sloman. Steven Goskowski is back and I think that's really a good thing because Steven Gaskowski is an incredibly, incredibly experienced playoff kicker. So hopefully his health and his age and his presence will help the Titans. But the Sam Sloman moment, much like the moat moments, uh, one of the most special parts of the year. And what I'm looking forward to most is whomever puts out the T-shirt that quotes Coach Dave McGinnis, Great job, comma, Slowman. <laughs> that T-shirt. I would, too. It's my favorite part of the final call was Coach Mack yelling, great job, Slowman. It's one of those lines that's, like, so simple and yet so effective. It might be one of the top five Titans radio lines just because you can use it in so many different ways beyond that. It's like it came out of... Napoleon Dynamite or something. Well, that's it. I said it on the on the post game. So I was doing the, you know, because we, we do the power plays. And so I was doing the call of the last play and we played the cut. And when he says, great job, Slowman, I just reacted on Titans Radio and said, it sounds like a line from an 80s, you know, like a John Hughes movie or a, <laughs> it, it was hilarious. I, Absolutely hilarious because Sloman sounds like a character out of a John Cusack movie or, you know, just, I mean, it, Home Alone or, I mean, anything. You said Napoleon Dynamite, you know, it, it, but if you haven't heard it, go back and listen to the, to the Titans radio call of the doink, uh, the made field goal at the end, that Sam Sloman bank shot as it's become known. And Coach Mack yelling, great job, Slowman. Uh, again, 
one of my favorite moments in Titans radio history. How many times did we say great job, Sloman, in like the 12, 24 hours after the game when we were traveling back? I think anyone who did anything decent got a great job, Sloman. <laughs> well, we're trying to return the rental car at 6 a.m. on Monday. <laughs> and you get the seven people in the you. in the passenger van and we can't figure out how to return it because it was a little complicated and uh, that's and so when we returned we finally pulled into the rental car place the first thing that was said was great job slowman it just fits every occasion while you're in the office next week wherever you are around the world among the ot people when someone does something well give them a Great job, Sloman. It's it's so fitting. But it will be <laughs> Stephen Gaskowski. And, it, it, you know, and Stephen Gaskowski has, by the way, he's made 20 of 21 career field goals against the Ravens in the playoffs. Well, I like that a lot. Yeah, Those are the, great numbers. Them's pretty good odds. Uh, yeah, we'd like to see, we'd like to see some more of that out of Stephen Gaskowski. Special teams, a, a huge factor. The Ravens have the number one kickoff return unit in the NFL. Sam Cook, their 72-year-old punter. <laughs> I mean, he has been in the league since like... Uh, 1946, I think. Year. I, great punter. Not quite. He was old when I was an intern in Baltimore. Yeah. And that was a while ago. Yeah. So he's really old now. He's seven, seven passing for 82 yards in his career. Really? Yes. Well, good job, buddy. Little factoid for you. Lamar Jackson factoid. He's the only quarterback in NFL history to have back-to-back 1,000-yard -back rushing seasons. Really? Yeah. Think about that. 101 years of the NFL, and he's the first quarterback to ever do that. That's how dangerous he is. Wow. That, I mean, what an athlete. But he didn't gain 2,000 yards like the Titans' first team All-Pro. Woo! Well, I don't think he wins MVP, but I, I think he's—I think he may be the offensive player of the year, right? Yeah, I mean, it, it would seem silly to not give him that award. I can't think of anybody who has had a bigger impact on an offense. Well, I mean, he, he's had a massive impact on the offense, undoubtedly. I mean, Aaron Rodgers, it looks like, from what the voting was, is going to win MVP. Um, because that, that thing is a pretty good sign of what is to come. Yeah. And how it's going to happen and how it's going to go down. But overall, uh, you would say that this would be a case where Derrick Henry – and, and oftentimes this happens, you know, when, when Chris Johnson had the great year in 2009, he was not given MVP sort of plaudits, if you will, but offensive player of the year made a, a ton of sense. And I think it does for Derrick Henry as well. Well, he's been offensive player of the week or month or day for however many weeks in a row. I mean, he keeps winning the, individual week-by-week -week awards. He's won a lot of accolades and had a lot of accomplishments this season. It only seems natural to keep a couple more on there. You know, you can make the case for him as one of the great backs of all time, not just because he's won back-to-back -back rushing championships, but also because 
He is the only back in football history to rush for 2,000 yards in high school, college, and the NFL. Really? There has never been a back who has done it at all three levels. Derrick Henry has. The high school one is what's really interesting to me. I mean, 2,000 yards rushing in high school? High school. Yeah, but a lot of times people wouldn't, you know, if you had a back of a certain level, you wouldn't give him the ball that much. Right, exactly. He would be taken out at the end of the first half. Of course, Derek gained 12,124 yards in, in Euland. Yeah. So he's the all-time leading rusher in high school. We have a special guest on the line with us right now for the official Titans podcast. The OT people, this is for you. It's the voice of Monday Night Football, Steve Levy from ESPN. How are you, my friend? Hey, what's up, Mike? How you guys doing? We are super. Amy, here, here's one for you. Steve Levy has been at ESPN for almost exactly half of his life. Wow. Hey, I was doing the, doing the math. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> How big time is that, mister? Feels pretty old, actually, instead of, uh, instead of big time. No, it's, hey, it's been a great run. Uh, I remain the luckiest guy in the industry, and uh, I'm just looking forward to calling Sunday's NFL playoff game. Should be amazing. Before we talk about that for a second. Yeah. Got on at ESPN at 28 years old. Yeah. How did that happen? That's early. I didn't want to go to ESPN, quite frankly. Um, I'm a New York City guy, and I was working in the big city, and um, I was doing television and radio, and I was living in a high rise, and my parents and all my friends and family could listen and watch every day. And I really did not want to go to Bristol, Connecticut, quite frankly, back then. Um, and um, I tried to stay, and it didn't work out. And ESPN, you know, made a second offer and had an agent at the time. He said, look, ESPN is not coming back a third time. So I went one more time back to the local CBS affiliate in New York. I said, please, I don't want to go. Don't make me go. And they were like, hey, you're too young to be the, the lead guy here or whatever. And I said, all right, I'm going. And of course, it's a great lesson in that it turned out to be the, the greatest move of my career. Uh, and I'll, I'll never forget that moment. Yeah, but, you know, Back in those days, we didn't have L.A. There was no ESPN L.A. There was no ESPN radio or ESPN 2. I mean, it was just SportsCenter. And so we would do uh, 2.30 a.m. Eastern live five nights a week. I mean, think about that. And it was only a 30-minute show. And so it's amazing how things have changed over the years. But like I said, I've been, uh, I've been really fortunate and uh, worked with some great people and great relationships. You've got to have some pinnacle peak moments, some highlights of your career. What are some of the big things that you've been able to cover or be a part of that just come to mind right away? Being here in Nashville, Amy, I'm really, I'm really proud of the hockey coverage we've done. Uh, my favorite two and a half to three weeks of every year um, is the Stanley Cup final uh, with my pal Barry Melrose. And I will say, you know, prior to this past cup, which no one was allowed to attend in the bubble, uh, in our top five of the 25 was that, that Nashville uh, Stanley Cup final. I think it really put uh, Nashville on the map in terms of being a hockey town, a hockey city. Uh, I will say in the States, there is no more of a, a fun or entertaining place to go watch a regular season game uh, than at Bridgestone and see the Predators the way they do that. It was just such a blast to cover the team. So uh, those two and a half weeks are among my highlights. I've had a chance, you know, doing college football, you know, do the Orange Bowl, uh, you know, some big games there. I did the three longest 
or three of the four longest televised hockey games ever. And, and quite frankly, you know, just being on Sports Center at 11 o'clock every night, I got to go through all every great sporting event that ends and we come on. It's been, you know, the best seat in the house. So, you know, and just when you think it can't get any better, uh, for some crazy reason, they handed me the keys to Monday Night Football, at least for this season. And um, it's been a different season, but I, I've certainly enjoyed the ride. And like I said, I've been really lucky in the business. So, I mean, Let me ask you about getting to football, because we we really knew you as far as play by play from hockey. Yeah. For those of us who may not be the biggest hockey fans in the world, because I, I didn't grow up with hockey, to be honest with you. I've, I've learned about hockey later in life. Watching you and Barry is just entertaining broadcasting. Uh, it's fun to, to watch you guys work together, and, and he must be just an absolute hoot all the time. But how did you sort of work your way through all these talented people to make it to be the voice of Monday Night Football? Well, you know, you pointed out the years, so it's, it's been a long ride. And, um, you know, I did college football really a long time ago. Um, you know, maybe it was 2000 even and did it for like five seasons and had a blast with that, doing the Big Ten games, coming out of game day at noon was really cool for me. And uh, and then sort of had to make a decision. They said, you know, you got to be you can be studio or remote. And uh, so I went back to Sports Center. And, uh, you know, I had the best seat in the house for all sporting events, which was really cool. And then things started to change. So it's it's really a revolving door. And, you know, you hear that expression as one door closes, another opens, those kinds of things. And, you know, Mike Tirico leaves to go to NBC and uh, and Sean McDonough goes to Monday Night Football. And that opened up Sean's college football spot. And so that got me back into college football. And I've been uh, really lucky to be partnered with Brian Greasy the last four years in college and, uh, and then with Lisa. Uh, Salters and uh, Lewis Riddick this season on Monday night. And so, and I'll be, I'll be totally honest with you in all these sporting events, like I've become like close friends. These are not just colleagues. Like, you know, you mentioned Barry Melrose, one of my favorite people on the planet. Like you become really close friends with these people. And, and this year has been challenging because like Lewis and Brian and Lisa and I, we, we can't hang out. We haven't had one meal together, not one meeting, not one drink after a game, they won't even let us go to the stadium in the same car. So uh, it's been a rather unique challenge this season trying to, for our own camaraderie, you know, teams are fighting that too, right? They can't go to the facility on Monday or Tuesday. And you hear about players all the time. The the team camaraderie is lacking this season. Just can't get together, right? There's no, there's no nights together. The offensive linemen don't go to, you know, somebody's house on Thursday and all eat and on Monday night on the traditional day off with Tuesday getting together. So you know, we're fighting some of those same battles, but again, it's, it's a year where everyone's gone through a lot of adversity and, and no one on my end is complaining about it. What do you do to overcome that? I mean, you're kind of, you're in a new position with some new people. How do you establish that chemistry that you have to have for a broadcast? Amy, it's been uh, it's been a work in progress and I really think we've gotten better every single week. Um, and you can't, you can't fake that chemistry. You know, when you like, you know, Mike, you were talking about Barry and myself, like you just see it. Like you can see we genuinely like each other. We get along and the same thing with Greece after four years and, and doing college. And it's, you know, people at home only see us for the three hours of the broadcast. Right. But there's so much more, you're flying together, you're in the car together, you're at training camp together, you're at practice together and so on. And, and team meetings and those kinds of things. So uh, it's been a work in progress. We're trying to get better every single week. I feel like we have made a lot of uh, a lot of strides in that department. Uh, we're not faking it, but we're doing the best we can. And 
again, it's not, you know, normally we're even standing next to each other and I can bang him on the arm when I want to talk, you know? And so we're so far, Lewis is, Lewis is so far away from me. I couldn't hit him with a piece of crumpled up paper, you know, and my aim's not that good to begin with, but you get where I'm going. So it's, it's been a challenge. It's been a challenge for, for everybody. And uh, I'll be, I'll be first in line to get us back to the, uh, the old normal as soon as possible. In terms of reviews, Monday Night Football gets more reviews than any other sporting team, if you will, in terms of broadcasters. The reviews have been very good for this team. Have you been pleasantly surprised, surprised at all? What if, what do you, I mean, you're aware of that. You know what I'm talking about. Absolutely. Um, listen, I'm not going to say I don't read it. I check Twitter from time to time. Uh, you know, everybody that says I'm terrible, I, I eliminate with all those people tell you you're great too, right? It's sort of evens <laughs> out and I'll take the comments in the middle. So, you know, our big focus was, or, or me personally, was before I even had the job, I can't believe the amount of attention on the booth, right? On the people calling the game. The game is the thing. And so that was kind of my first in my head. Let me try to, as best I can, do my part to redirect the attention to the field, right? The game is the thing. The players, the coaches, it is not about the broadcasters or who's in the broadcast booth. So, listen, we try, like all broadcasters, to, you know, enhance the enjoyment for the viewer, right? But we are not the thing. And, um, yes, so first off, I was very surprised. Uh, by, you know, every critique about, you know, the way I stand or my hand in my pocket or I'm smiling or not smiling enough. Like, people, can we talk about the game, please? I've got a million notes on, you know, every single player and, you know, every the name of every single kid in their kindergarten class that I could give you too. So let's, can we focus, please, on the players? The game is the thing. And that was really goal number one, to get the attention off the booth uh, and get it onto the field. Steve, aren't you glad you got this opportunity in your 50s so you would know how to handle all of the extraneous stuff that goes with being the voice of Monday night football? That's fair, Mike. I um, Listen, I would not have turned it down earlier, but I, I could have blown, I, I blown the opportunity, quite frankly. Like when we, you know, the first time there was a change, this was probably four or five years ago, and my name was at least, you know, thrown around as a potential person. And Again, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have turned it down, but I would not have been ready. I can tell you that right now. I would not have been ready five years ago. And, you know, that might not have ended well for me, and that might have been my only appearance, you know, my only, my only chance. And a few years ago when there was another change, I thought I was ready, and I still didn't get it, you know. And, uh, and so now the time was right. Look, I needed the world to end pretty much, you know, a pandemic here to, to get an opportunity to get this job. But, you know, it's much, it's much like a coach, right? Um, you get these hotshot assistants. You're going to get one opportunity, and you don't want to say yes to the wrong program in college or, or organization in the NFL, right? You go, you have no success in your two years or whatever it is, three years. You might not get a second chance. So it's, you know, I equate it to being rushed to the majors, you know, a little too soon in baseball, right? So listen, I'm, you know, I'm not an old man, but I'm just, you know, I'm not young in my career. I've been around the broadcasting block and, and it certainly worked out well for me. And I, I think I'm in a good position to try to, you know, hang on to this seat for as long as possible. So Monday night football in 2020 starts with the Tennessee Titans and Monday night football in 2020 is going to end with the Tennessee Titans. Right. From the beginning to the end, I guess they're playing other teams, but it's our podcast. So we don't talk about them. From, right. 
<laughs> from the beginning of the season to now, what have you seen in the evolution of this Titans team? I think we're still trying to figure out the kicking game, right? I mean, I, 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 remember, <laughs> I remember the opener. And so again, so I'm, you know, I'm born and raised in New York, but I lived in New England for a long time, right? In Boston and in Connecticut. So all the success that Steven Guskowski had, all those great Patriots teams, you know, I called him, a, I, on that broadcast, I called him a sure Hall of Famer. And I, I still believe that, by the way. I think he has the credentials. And I mean, I took more heat for that comment and then, of course, that's in the midst of him, you know, missing three field goals and an extra point, right, as I'm putting him in Canton. So, uh, and I do remember the call of the game-winning field goal uh, was along the lines of, you know, he kicks it and he, and he makes it as if he has been doing it all night long, you know. And he probably had the worst game of his career and then was still good enough and mentally tough enough to win the game for the Titans in the end. So, uh it was a wild start to the season. I remember uh, Vic Fangio, the head coach of the Broncos, really bailed out the Titans that night. He sort of botched his usage of the timeouts late in the game and allowed uh, allowed that Goskowski opportunity. So, like I said, they, it's still figuring out the, the kicking game, it seems like. You know, Sloman's a cool story and everything, but and it was a pressure-packed kick last week and off the upright and through. And, uh, you know, playoffs are a different kind of speed and a different kind of pressure. So we'll see how that plays out. But a lot of it is, has remained the same. Um, you know, we know about Derrick Henry. I think he's, he's the same great running back. Uh, Ryan Tannehill, we just talked to him earlier ourselves. And, you know, he said his numbers might not be as good as uh, maybe last year, but he thinks this has been the best year of his career in terms of the way he's played the game. And I think still people are questioning uh, the pass rush on the defense with the Titans. So a lot of those things have not changed. Of all the stories that you've covered on SportsCenter through a variety of sports, there aren't a lot of comps towards Ryan Tannehill. I would compare, and you and I are of the same era, so I would compare Jim Plunkett when he went to the Raiders after failing with the Patriots and with the 49ers. But there haven't been a lot of guys who have restarted a career in a way that he has. And it really is a fantastic story because he's a tremendous person and a great athlete, and he's become the face of this of this franchise. Um, how surprising do you think his sort of ascent to this role has been? I mean, somewhat has to be somewhat based on the 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 work in Miami. It has to be considered somewhat surprising. And I'll, I'll tell you, and I don't want to speak out of school here, but when we talk with Ryan on our Zoom. Uh, both Lewis Riddick and Brian Greasy either started or finished with telling Ryan how proud of him and his story that they were, you know, guys who played in the league and worked in the league a long time. And so, you know, we recognize Greasy said, you know, he was in that spot, right? You're the starter. Things don't go well. You start getting booed. You start questioning your confidence. They're going to move you out of town. Now you go someplace else. You're a backup. And, and then you wait for your opportunity to have it again. And so, you know, I know the Titans were in a tough spot last year. Like, you know, so he has a great finish. They obviously have the great playoff run here. And then they have to make a financial decision, right? We're going we're gonna to pay him like a number one or not. I mean, this is, this is a league of, of have and have not at quarterback. And if you think you have the guy, then you got to pay them. And in some places, like you see what's going on in Philadelphia, you know, that can really handicap a team for a long time. That Carson Wentz contract, for example, you know, can really hold up that franchise. So the Titans had a decision to make. It obviously looks like the right one now, but, you know, Tannehill story is amazing. Yeah, very hard to find a, a, a comparable 
story to his going back to being a wide receiver in college for a couple of years. So, you know, late into the position, you're a high draft pick. He went through, you know, he ran through coaches and offensive coordinators in Miami, like they were going out of style. It's not always on the quarterback. And then uh, Waits has turned behind Marcus Mariota here. And as you said, he's seems to be like a hall of fame, kind of nice guy. I know he's got an edge to him and he's a competitor and all that. And he's just an easy guy to root for. There's no question. For Mike Vrabel, putting together a team like the one that he has right now, a team that has made it to the playoffs multiple years, um, what does that say about him as a head coach and how he's coming into his own? I feel like he's been here longer than he actually has. Does that seem like that way to you guys? Like, Yes. It, Absolutely. <laughs> it seems like he's a 10-year head coach and not what, his, his third season, right? Third. Yep. So, I mean, that that's amazing. And look, some of that is a product of – where he's coming from and that's and that's Bill Belichick and learning from the best I think but um I think he's a really bright guy uh he I'll be honest he, he is one of my favorite coaches I knew him a little bit back in New England so we have some relationship there uh he's got a rough gruff way about him which is kind of nice but he's he's a little more uh endearing and charming I would say than Bill is but I mean I'll just give you an example I asked him which I thought was an Easy question with an easy answer, and he threw me a total curveball. I said to him, uh, last year's playoff run, uh, what are the benefits of that heading into this postseason? And he just said one word. He said, none. Like, very Belichickian. <laughs> and I'm like, wait a second, that experience? Nope, absolutely not. Every year's different. The players change, right? The rosters turn over, all these things. Everything's different. Every And that sounded right out of the Belichick book, too. You know, the one word he was making his point. But uh, I enjoy him very much uh, in these kind of Zoom meetings. I wish we could meet with the team, obviously, in person and face to face. But uh, he's a terrific young coach. And, um, you know, his moves have benefited, you know, Arthur Smith, for example. Right. Uh, you know, elevating Arthur and putting him in the offense corner spot. I mean, that looks like a genius move. Now, I know he's taken some heat for, you know, not replacing Dean Pease on the defensive side, but, you know, you roll the dice and, you, and, that, and that's how that works. So you're not going to win all of these moves, but I like what he's done here. The culture seems to be the right kind of culture. Uh, and I think, I think the, the Titans are set up to, you know, to win not just this year, to, but to be uh, very competitive for years to come. Okay. So we've got to let you go because I know you're very busy, but, uh, give the, the people who tune in the OTP sort of your overview of Sunday's matchup. How do you break it down? I see a lot of points, and I see, a, I see a fast game, too, you know, with these two teams that love to run the football. And um, I think while it might not be a great defensive game, I think there'll be a lot of hard hitting. Uh, this feels like week 11 was really physical when they got together. Uh, this feels nasty. This feels petty. This feels chippy. I, I think they'll stay away from the penalty flags because the stakes are so high. Uh, but, you know, in these games, you always hear about, oh, the team with the football last could win. To me, it's the team that gets, you know, a two-touchdown lead first. I think both of these teams are built to play from ahead and not built to play from behind. And I don't mean a field goal or a touchdown, but, you know, a two-score kind of game, that could be tough for both of these teams to come from behind. And I think that's why the start of the game is – is so important. And we were joking about the kicking game. Would anybody be surprised if this came down to a field goal at the end by Tennessee or Baltimore? And, you know, Baltimore's got Tucker and he's the most accurate field goal kicker in the history of the NFL. So uh, that would be my overview and something to watch for 
in the game. Fast start, very important. Okay, important question to end. Where are you ordering dinner while you're in Nashville? Because you can't go out, right? Yeah, we're, we're, we're trying to stay away or at least socially distant. Uh, you know, Greasy's never had hot chicken. Can you guys believe that? Sure, I can believe uh. I can't believe that. Although he did stand at practice with us today, and we were pretty yep. with that. That was a, yep. Yep. a pretty good effort by Greasy standing out in the cold on Lake Amulet there. That was uh, nice work on his part. But, yeah, I can believe he's never had hot chicken. For a Miami kid standing out in the cold, yeah, and I'll, I'll hear about that forever. Levy, where were you at practice? How come you? <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'm not sure about that, but, you know, I'll take your suggestions, and you tell me whose name I should drop. Do I get like a coupon Mike or Keith. a certificate? No, or something? The, Mike the Keith. Dro- no, no. The name you drop is Dave McGinnis. Hang on, <laughs> Dave D A V. Who's yes. Dave? <laughs> Dave McGinnis, the former head coach of the Arizona Cardinals, who is my partner on Titans Radio. Got uh, it. Anywhere you drop Coach Mack's name, you get something free and something good. He's got a friend somewhere. Life in the NFL is is it's not the six degrees of Kevin Bacon. It's the six degrees of Coach Mack in Nashville, especially if you're gonna if you're gonna get Rippy's ribs, uh, if you're you're gonna get something from the Southern, which is fantastic. Lots of great places downtown, and of course the hot chicken places are phenomenal. Amy, where where would you suggest? Well, I'm not a connoisseur, but I do like good food. Um, Party Fowl is the place for hot chicken. Yeah, you can't go wrong with the Southern. You can't go wrong. Right, so these are not the tourist. These are not the tourist places. These are the no, no. These yeah, are the good no, no, food no, no, no. places. Yeah, no, we wouldn't send you someplace that was a trap. <laughs> We're better than that here on the OTP. God, I was going to take Greasy to Tootsie's. No, it's touristy. No. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I don't know. That you do I you. Do. I mean, we just need you by the game on Sunday. <laughs> yeah, as long as you're there at 12.05 Central time. We're okay, no, we're not going out until after the game. We got to protect. We got to make sure it's okay until <laughs> the game's over. Yeah. yeah, the party foul is awfully good. There are lots of good hot chicken places. That's a great name, party foul. Too. That's it's good. pretty fantastic. It's punny. Yeah. It's very punny. It's it's like a dad joke, but the food is. <laughs> Coach Mack, I got it. I just tried. listen. If you call the Southern, just drop Coach Mack's name, and and you will, they will take great care of you. He is uh, he is basically the mayor of Nashville. Everything he says, on, it's like that we were talking before you came on. His comment during the game winning call, where he yelled "Great job, Slowman," has now become how people sort of greet or compliment one another in town right now. <laughs> So yep. just great, just give somebody a great job slowman at the airport or whatever, or in the Uber or the Lyft, and they'll uh, hats and t-shirts, right? They'll be yes. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me remind you that this edition of the OTP and all the editions of the OTP brought to you by Farm Bureau Health Plans. When you need someone who understands the X's and O's of healthcare coverage. They've been protecting Tennessee since 1947. Steve, you've been very kind to give us time. We hope this has been enjoyable for you as well. And um, from somebody who's been in the business a long time, watched you from afar, uh, congratulations on all the success. And what you have done this year as a broadcaster is really been a buildup of what you've done for the previous 30. You don't get to do what you do by just showing up and hitting it one time. You put in a lot of work to make this work in 2020, and I congratulate you on taking this opportunity and making it something fantastic for you and your entire team. I'll say this too. 
I think Lisa Lisa Salters is one of the most underrated broadcasters anywhere. Absolutely. She is she is phenomenal, but your group has just been great. It has been a joy to watch you guys work this year and to listen to all that you've had to say. Congratulations. Well, Mike, Amy, I appreciate you guys uh, having me on and, and thank you for all the kind words and, you know, wish I could see you guys at the stadium. They won't let anybody in our booth. They won't let us out of our booth. I mean, there's so many rules and regulations and, you know, hopefully next season uh, we can all get together. I'd love to do a real regular season game, go to Nissan and, and see the place rocking out. It'd be, it'd be amazing. So hopefully we can get together next year. And we'll take you to Yeehaw Brewery. Sounds good. For Steve Levy and Amy Wells, Mike Keith, thanks you for listening once again. The OT Show, where the legends go. Everybody knows it's our house. Fighting for Tennessee, making history. Greatness is meant to be ours now. Hey, we got Titan blood running through our veins.